The following podcast with Greg Laurie is made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Become a Harvest Partner at Harvest.org. To find out how to know God personally, go to KnowGod.org. K-N-O-W, KnowGod.org. Why did Jesus have to suffer and die? Pastor Greg Laurie on the personal dynamic of Jesus' death. Jesus suffered and died to cancel the legal demands against us and disarm the devil. So here's what it means. The devil says, you're always going to be bound by this addiction. You're always going to be doing the same stupid things over and over again. Here's what you say. You're a liar because Jesus died on the cross and dealt a decisive blow against you. logical question. If God could bring the entire universe into existence with just the power of His Word, why couldn't He do the same in forgiving sin? Why did Jesus have to pay the ultimate price? Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie tackles that question as we take a close look at the price paid at Calvary. It's part of Pastor Greg's series, Essentials, What Every Christian Needs to Know. Go to harvest.org to get a permanent copy of today's message. Why did our Lord come to this earth? Why was there an incarnation? Why did Jesus walk this planet and breathe our air and experience life here? Some would say, well, He came to give the ultimate teachings ever. No question, Jesus was the greatest teacher who ever lived. But that's not the primary reason He came. Others would say He came to give us an example of of how to live life at its highest level. Well, Jesus was the ultimate example without question, but that's not the primary reason He came. Someone else might say, well, He came to do miracles and to heal people. Yes, He did that. But again, that is not the primary reason He came. Jesus came to buy back the title deed of the earth. He came to die on a cross for our sins. The Bible says in Hebrews 2.9, He came to taste death for everyone. He came to give His life, our Lord said, as a ransom for many. And the word ransom conveys the idea of offering yourself in the place of another. Another way to state it, He was born to die that we might live. Listen, the purpose of the incarnation was for the atonement. The birth of Jesus was for the purpose of the death of Jesus. Again, the incarnation was for the purpose of atonement. The birth of Jesus was so that there would be the death of Jesus. One of the wise men had it right when he brought the insightful gift of myrrh to the child. Myrrh, an embalming element. That's why Jesus came. The cross was Jesus' goal and destination from the very beginning. He spoke of it often. He spoke of it in graphic detail. 
He warned his disciples it was coming. He broke it down to them. Somehow it went right over their heads until it actually happened. So let's think for a few moments about what happened on the day that Jesus died. As we come to Matthew 27, here is Jesus now having to carry his own cross, collapsing beneath its weight, taken to the place of the skull, also known as Golgotha. Verse 35 of Matthew 27, after they nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. And they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A signboard was fastened to the cross above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two criminals are crucified with him, their crosses on either side of his, and the people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. So, you can destroy the temple and build it up again in three days, can you? Well then, if you're the Son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law and the other leaders also mocked Jesus, saying, He saved others, but He can't save Himself. If He's the King of Israel, why doesn't He? Let Him come down now from the cross and we will believe in Him. He trusted in God. Let God show His approval by delivering Him. For He said, I am the Son of God. And the criminals who were crucified with Him also shouted the same insults at Him. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. And about three o'clock Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? We'll stop there. Verse 35 says, After they nailed him to the cross, no detail or explanation uh, is given about crucifixion because it was far too common in this day. The Romans viciously crucified thousands and thousands of people. It had become their favorite method of execution throughout the empire and especially in Judea. It was usually reserved for the rioters and insurrectionists. In other words, those that specifically wanted to overthrow Rome, they said, you will face death by crucifixion. According to Josephus, after the death of Herod the Great, the Roman governor of Syria crucified 2,000 men in order to quell an uprising. Josephus also tells us that Titus crucified so many people when he sacked Jerusalem in AD 70 there was no wood left for crosses and no place left to set them up. So crosses with dead or dying men was a common sight in Israel. So all that we read here is they crucified him. Everybody knew what that meant. And here hung Jesus, back ripped open, tongue swollen, dehydrated. Death by crucifixion is essentially death by suffocation. It's not the nails in the hands and feet that kill the man. It's the inability to breathe. There's a, a little base put on the bottom of the cross, a little footrest, if you will. And so the crucified person pushes himself up to get air into their lungs. Jesus pushes himself up on that base. He gets air into his lungs and he gives seven statements from Calvary. The first one, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, here in Matthew's Gospel we read that both of the thieves, who are probably guilty of a far worse sin than theft, 
because the word that is used there to describe them is a more severe word in the original language. But these two criminals uh, join the chorus of mockery of the onlookers until Jesus says, Father forgive them for they know not what they do. And right there on the spot one of these thieves believes and turns to Jesus and says, Lord remember me when you come into your kingdom. Bringing Christ to a second statement which is, Verily, verily, I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus looks now at the foot of the cross. Standing there is Mary, the woman who bore him, the woman who nursed him, the woman who loved him. And he saw the apostle John standing next to her. He said, woman, behold your son. And then no doubt nodding to John, he said, son, behold your mother. Effectively entrusting the care of his mother to the apostle. After this a mysterious darkness falls on the earth for three long hours. The darkness is pierced by the words of Jesus crying from the cross, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What was going on there? Jesus, at that moment, I believe, was bearing the sins of the world. He was dying as a substitute for others. To him was imputed the guilt of our sins and he was suffering the punishment for those sins on our behalf in some mysterious way that we can never fully comprehend during those awful hours on the cross the Father was pouring out the full measure of his wrath against sin and the recipient of that wrath was God's own Son. God was punishing Jesus as if he had personally committed every wicked deed committed by every wicked sinner. And in doing so he could forgive and treat those redeemed ones as if they had lived Christ's perfect life of righteousness. Let me repeat that. Think about this. God was punishing Jesus as if he had personally committed every wicked deed committed by every wicked sinner. And in doing so he could forgive and treat those redeemed ones as if they had lived Christ's perfect life of righteousness. This is what we call justification. It is not merely the removal of sin. It is the imputing of the righteousness of Christ into our spiritual bank account. That's what happened when Jesus hung on the cross. And Scripture clearly teaches that there was a moment when the sin of the world was placed on the Son. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. Peter wrote, He himself bare our sins in his own body on the tree. But listen. What does Jesus say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Ah, we think, a crisis of faith. No. A declaration of fact. What are you saying? That God forsook him? In a sense, yes. Jesus was forsaken, so I don't have to be. Jesus entered the darkness, so I could walk in the light. Jesus was forsaken, that I might be forgiven. Now, when we say Jesus was forsaken, here's what we're saying. As a sin of the world was placed on Christ, the Father who is holy and cannot look at sin, turned away as He became the recipient of the wrath of God. But because this happened, no one will ever have to think they'll be forsaken of God from this moment forward who calls out to Him. 
Jesus was simply declaring what was taking place in the given moment. But I want you to notice this was not a crisis of faith on the part of our Lord. He was crying out to the Father, also fulfilling scripture from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Notice it's my God. What's going to happen when crisis hits your life? And it will. What's going to happen if tragedy comes to your home? And it may. Are you going to cry out to God? Or are you going to ignore God? It's been said character is not made in crisis. It's revealed. It shows what you really are. And some people say, I'm mad at God. I'm not talking to God. I never want to even communicate with God again. Or you can cry out to God. And you can even say, Lord, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I don't even like this. But I'm looking to you, my God, my God. See, the emphasis is not on forsaken. It's on my God. And he called out to his Father as he bore the sin of the world. Pastor Craig Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. We recently heard from a firefighter who turned his life around. Dear Pastor Greg, since I started listening to A New Beginning approximately three to four years ago, I've changed 110%. I was going down the wrong path and doing a lot of wrong things. One day, I listened to your podcast and something inside me told me I had to change. I redirected my life to the Lord, and from that moment, it felt like a huge weight had been lifted off my shoulders, like I was free of all the bad things I had done. It was a great feeling. I let God take control of my life, and He's done a lot of amazing things in my life. After eight years of testing for a job as a career firefighter paramedic, I was finally hired. Thank you for everything you've done. May God continue to bless you, your family, and your ministry. Let us know how this broadcast has touched your life, would you? Write a New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. Pastor Greg is taking us through the seven statements of Jesus from the cross. As a part of his message, why did Jesus have to suffer and die? After this, we know that he said, I thirst. The first mention of his situation, physically, and why did he say it at this point? Because he was almost done now. He'd borne the sin of the world. And now here's just a man, okay? He's God, yes, but he's a man. He's a man who feels pain. He's a man who's dehydrated. He's a man whose body is literally hanging in shreds. And he's a man who simply says, I thirst. What's the meaning? The meaning is he thirsted. He needed something uh, to help him. And this just reminds us that Jesus not only died, but He suffered. And that is why I've entitled this message, Why Did Jesus Have to Suffer and Die? Maybe we can understand why Jesus died, but why did Jesus have to suffer? And indeed, He did. I mean, God can do whatever He wants. And if you were God, would you suffer if you didn't have to? Why suffer? The answer is, so we will know that we serve a God who knows what we are going through. It was John Stott who said in his book, The Cross of Christ, quote, our God is a suffering God, end quote. And I think he's right. 
Listen to Isaiah's description of what Jesus who was God went through at Calvary. He was despised and rejected by others. A man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. He bore our infirmities. He carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And he died in our place. He was a man of suffering. That was Jesus. But why did he suffer? Because he loved and he loves. And therefore you need to know you are not alone in your suffering. Are you suffering today? Maybe you feel like you're the only person who is going through what you're going through. Well Jesus was called the man of sorrows. No matter how great your difficulty or need, know that he understands. The Bible says, cast all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. Is your body racked with pain? So is his. Have you ever been misunderstood, misjudged, or misrepresented? So is he. Have you ever had those that are nearest and dearest to you turn away? So is he. So why did Jesus have to suffer and die? I'd like to offer four answers. I'm sure there are more things that could be said, but for now we will offer these four answers. Number one, Jesus suffered and died to show God's love for us. He suffered and died to show God's love for us. Jesus said, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Paul said in Ephesians 5, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Paul also said, he loved me and gave himself for me. It's a demonstration of love. So listen, if you're ever tempted to doubt God's love, take a long look at the cross of Calvary. Because there you see God's love on display for you. He died to show you God's love. Number two, Jesus died to absorb the wrath of God. He died to absorb the wrath of God because I've broken God's commandments and I've fallen short of God's standards and I've offended a holy God. There was a judgment that had to be meted out because the Bible says that soul that sins shall surely die. So who's going to pay the price? Jesus said, I will. I'll absorb the judgment and wrath of God in the place of you and me. And that's exactly what happened. Listen, if God were not just, there would be no demand for His Son to suffer and die. If God were not loving, there would be no willingness for His Son to suffer and die. But God is just and willing. And there His love is willing to meet the demands of justice. And He took the full impact of the judgment of God in our place. Number three, Jesus suffered and died to cancel the legal demands against us and disarm the devil. Again, Jesus died on the cross to cancel the legal demands against us and disarm the devil. The Ten Commandments. We've all broken them. Some of us have broken many of them. There might even be a few here have broken all of them. I don't want to know who you are. But we've broken these commandments. The Bible says if you offend in one point of the law, you're guilty of all of it. And this shows the absurdity of the position where a person says, well, I don't really need Jesus Christ. I live by the Ten Commandments. No, you don't. 
You do not live by the Ten Commandments and the commandments basically sentence you to judgment because you have broken them. But Jesus died to cancel the legal demands against us and disarm the devil because we're told over in Colossians 2.14 He canceled the record that contained the charges against us. He took it and destroyed it by kneeling it to Christ's cross. In this way God disarmed evil rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross of Christ. Sin's power no longer needs to stand as a barrier between God and man. So here's what it comes down to. Not only did He cancel the legal demands against us, but He disarmed the devil. So here's what it means. The devil says, you're mine. I'm going to do what I want to do in your life and you're never going to be free. You're always going to be bound by this addiction. You're always going to be trapped in this lifestyle. You're always going to be doing the same stupid things over and over again. Here's what you say. You're a liar. It's not true. Because Jesus died on the cross and dealt a decisive blow against you. I'm not saying the devil isn't powerful because he is. And we'll talk about that when we get to the topic of who is Satan. But I'm saying, understatement of the century now, Jesus is way more powerful, okay? Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. So the power of Christ cancels out the power of Satan. And if you want to be free from that addiction, free from that sin, free from whatever it is that's holding you down, you can be if you choose to be, if you'll take hold of what Jesus purchased for you at the cross of Calvary. One final thing. Jesus suffered and died to provide our forgiveness and justification. We're told in Romans 5, 9, we've been justified by His blood. To be justified means you have been forgiven of the wrongs you have done. But it also means that God, as we already pointed out, has placed the righteousness of Jesus Christ into your spiritual bank account, if you will. So you don't need to ever say, well, you know, I'm not worthy to go to prayer. I'm not worthy to attend church. You know, you're right about that. You're not worthy. But you never were. Sometimes they'll think, well, I, I did pretty well this week. I, I read the Bible and, and, you know, I didn't cuss quite as much. Or, you know, I, I was, uh, I prayed. Or, you know, those, those, those things are great, you know. But listen, on your best day, you still fell short. Your approach to God never had anything to do with your worthiness. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done for you. So on that basis, I can come to God. We have access to His presence through a new and living way because of what Jesus did. There is nothing that should keep you from coming to God right now and trusting Him and calling on Him. Now maybe you've come here today with a lot of heartache. You've come here with a tragedy. You've come here with difficulty. You call out to God. He's been through what you're going through. He'll be there for you to help you through this. But maybe there's some of you here that have joined us who have never called out to Jesus. He's never seemed real to you. Or you've never felt like you could approach God. You can't. Well, I can't understand God. Well, I don't know anyone who can understand God, but as I said, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And I just told you a little bit about what Jesus did for you. And He welcomes you with open arms and will forgive you of any sin you have ever committed if you will turn from your sin and believe in Him today and ask Him to be your Savior and Lord because this same Jesus that died on that cross rose again from the dead. 
And He's here with us right now in this place. Standing at the door of your life and He is knocking. And He's saying, if you will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. If you've never asked Jesus to come in, you can do it right now as we close in prayer. Okay? Let's all bow our heads. Father, thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus and Lord Jesus. I pray that you will speak to any person here that does not know you and help them to see their need for you and help them to come to you this day. We pray. Amen. Well, we've seen today why Jesus died for our sins. And if you'd like to accept the Lord's sacrifice and have your sins forgiven today, Pastor Greg Laurie will help you take that step in just a moment, so please do stay with us. And for a permanent copy of today's study called Why Did Jesus Have to Suffer and Die? Call us at 1-800-821-3300. We'll be happy to help you make the arrangements. That's 1-800-821-3300. And then we want to send a copy of Pastor Greg's new Start Bible Your Way. You know, Pastor Greg, as I've glanced through this new Bible, it uh, it sort of looks like a Bible handbook, right. a commentary, and a new believer's guide all in one, along with the New Testament text. Yeah, it really does, Dave. It pretty much covers the basic areas that every Christian needs to know. We have one section called Live, and these are messages that focus on various aspects of what it means to be saved, what it means to be a Christian. Then we have a section called Grow that has entries that reveal key disciplines of living the Christian life. Another section called Know, articles that expose the core beliefs of the Christian. Christianity 101, if you will, things that every believer needs to know. And finally, there's another section called Learn that provides many commentaries on key passages for spiritual growth. So as you flip the pages of the New Start Bible, you'll usually find a note or two on practically every page. Some pages have three or four entries on them. And this is going to just help you as you read through the Bible, help you to understand what it means to be a Christian, and help you to get started on the right foot and following Jesus Christ. Yeah, it really is a great resource. And, and there's so much help available on so many levels that it would be a great study tool for longtime believers as well. Again, it's called the Start Bible New Testament. We're sending it to say thank you for your gift of any size in support of our ministry outreach. You know, there are considerable expenses involved in making this teaching available to you. You just turn on the radio or log on to the podcast and it's there for free. But there are huge expenses in making sure it's there for you. And we hope you might help with those costs, even if it's just a small gift. And when you send that donation, be sure to ask for Pastor Greg's new Start Bible New Testament. Our toll-free phone number is 1-800-821-3300. That's 1-800-821-3300. Or write A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. And then before we go any further, uh, Pastor Greg would like to speak to you if you want to make a change in your relationship with the Lord today. Maybe God has spoken to you through that message that you've just heard. And you know, Jesus Christ is standing at the door of your life right now, and He's knocking. He wants to come inside. Maybe you would like to open it now and ask Christ to come inside. If so, why don't you pray this prayer along with me, wherever you are, and God will hear you. Just pray this with me now. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I know I'm a sinner, but I thank you for dying for my sin and rising again from the dead. Now be my personal Lord and Savior and help me to follow you all the days of my life. 
I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, God heard you, and he's coming to your life. Jesus said, he that would come to me, I will in no way cast out. And we want to encourage you now in your new faith and your new walk with Christ. We have a packet of materials concerning spiritual growth we'd like to mail to you at no cost. We'll give you the address and more information in a moment. But God bless you in your new decision for Jesus Christ. And we call that collection of materials our New Believers Growth Packet. It's free for the asking if you've made a first-time decision for the Lord today. Ask for the New Believers Growth Packet when you write a new beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514, or call us at 1-800-821-3300. That's 1-800-821-3300. And you'll find us online at harvest.org. Next time, as Pastor Greg's Essential Series continues, we'll begin a revealing study of the third person of the Trinity. Study the Holy Spirit and His impact on your life next time on A New Beginning. The preceding podcast with Greg Laurie was made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Become a Harvest Partner at Harvest.org. There you can arrange to receive Pastor Greg's free daily email devotions. That's Harvest.org.